With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is the weekend of welcome. It's John Gibbons hosting this week. And I'm joined by Ian Salmon, by Amelia Bonner, by Kevin O'Neill, and by Kevin Walsh. I read that off the email like I didn't just know your names. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna look around. Um, I, didn't, I didn't want to doubt myself. Uh, we all are all here uh, to look ahead to the weekend, to look ahead to Liverpool, but also reflect on the last couple of days' action. And so we will start with last night, uh, Kiva. And how hopeful were you? And were, were those hopes dashed? Yeah, it was for like half an hour and then United just gave up, didn't they? And I remembered, oh, they're not very good at football. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were just so annoying. I'm so glad I'm not a United fan off the back of that. Because that was painful. I mean, it they've was had so good times. Painful. You know, yeah, not recently. Mm. Like what someone, did you do now, John? <laughs> someone wrote, I'm like, saying, I've, of I've all the fans to feel for sorry. one game and yeah. I've supported Liverpool all season. They've lost the same amount of games. It was mm. just... It was just hard to watch, really difficult to watch. I thought they're doing bits here. And then Rashford gave put the ball out for like because someone was injured and I was like, It's a derby, what are you doing? Yeah. Keep the ball and he was at the other end, then it went all the way back. The hair was like our only sort of hope in a mad way because I was thinking, Oh, he might just be like the cat that he is. But he just looks like a shell of himself, doesn't he? Speaking of shells of themselves, Ian Salmon. (laughs) (laughs) Did you watch? I watched the whole Sorry Saga from start to finish. I didn't move. I started to drink more heavily as the match went on. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd pin my hopes. I'd pin my hopes for months on the fact that United would take points off City. And yeah, I have behind on this one because it, this was clearly the one where they needed it. They were going to need it for top four. Originally, they were going to need it because Solskjaer would want the job, but then they would need it for top four. And then after getting spanked by Barca and then humiliated by Everton, they definitely needed this game. They were definitely going to do it. And for forty-five minutes, I thought. They're going to hang on here. They're going to hang on. They're going to get a no. Oh, no. God, no. They're shite, aren't they? And that second half, City were on a different planet to United. United literally had nothing. And they have a problem. That they've got a midfield that's made up of two lads who are crap and one lad who doesn't fancy doing his job at all. Pogba is the most pointless player I've ever seen. He just he He's in PFA play, team of the year, Ian. We're I, coming I, on to that. Yeah. That is par five. He's no more than I do, obviously. But... <laughs> There was one moment in the, uh, I think it was in the first half where Gary Gary Neville said, this is the genius of Paul Pogba. He can just take the sting out of the game and he can slow it down, take it to his pace. It's like, he's just played a five yards backwards pass, mate. This is not genius. He got beat by Raheem Sterling for it, is it? That was, he should have just been shot then, not even substituted, just shot. (laughs) (laughs) Beat by Raheem Sterling for a header. That just shows a total lack of balls, doesn't it? He doesn't want it. He does not want it at all, does he? he? He's just a nothing footballer. Uh, how was your evening, Amelia? Shite, absolute shite. It's, it's not even that I went into well, it with you, hope. You went out with Steve. I was, yeah. I mean, <laughs> every single time. It's, like, no, the, um, it's not that I went into it with any grand hopes that Man United were going to were going to make them drop points because after that Everton result, why would they? Why would they be the team that makes them drop points? It's more that this felt like the last chance saloon for them to drop points, which is why all your hope was on it. And you go into it thinking they're never going to drop points. It's City against United. It's not going to happen. And then for forty five minutes. They almost looked like they could, and yeah. I think that was the that was the hope that killed me. That it almost looked like they could just grind a draw out of it. But I think at forty five minutes, 
you were very much overwhelmed by the idea that if they needed to be one nil up going into half time because they couldn't do that for another 45 and then it became very clear that they couldn't um the Lingard chance is ridiculous and like was horrible to watch it was just shite be actually willing them to do well for the first time in my life and they couldn't even sort that so yeah disappointment uh, on all just sadness <laughs> <laughs> can you even get into beat poetry in the corner there? Uh, it's, the, it's the first time in like Maybe this season definitely but the first time in a very long time that I went home with that feeling of I don't want to go into school tomorrow no. do you know what I mean yeah. as in like that I went home so... and wanted to cry and like obviously there's loads of Evertonians in our office but like I don't know it wasn't even because of that it was that going home and being like I don't want to go into school and the other kids to laugh at it me it made tomorrow. you want to cry that this is, is going to so make it all the better on. on Sunday when Burnley take the points off them for you <laughs> oh, yeah. Oxford I, mean, I was only three when it happened but Everton went to Oxford only needing to draw or to get a win they couldn't even score as the song goes listen <laughs> Man Uniteds are absolutely 110% grade A dog shit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They were never going to beat Man City. In a million years, Man City were never going to let them beat them. United got chunked by Everton. <laughs> they are not good, then. We've seen it all season with them. They're absolutely garbage. I didn't even bother watching it last night. I knew, I knew they would what did do. you watch? I, I watched um, E4. So there's a new programme called Speechless on that. It's another crap American comedy, but it's all right. Well, I'm putting the kids to bed. Then I come down and our WhatsApp group is going mad, which, as you know, John, because you're in it. And then I was like, oh God, it's got to half an hour here. But because I hadn't started watching it, I wasn't going to turn over because I jinx it. Yeah. So I then yeah, watched sure. a little bit of it through live school updates, which is terrible, don't do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I just started watching Line of Duty, catching up on that. So. I haven't seen any Series 5 yet, so no spoilers. Nor have I. Uh, oh God, I, I'll take money to not spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I listened on the radio, which is nerve-wracking. Yeah. It's nervy, the radio. It's way more nervy than watching it all live text. Yeah. Everything sounds like it's the best chance ever. Yeah, and also, yeah. they get agitated when something's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then nothing happens. And you're like, I'll pack that in you. <laughs> Conor McNamara. <laughs> pack that right in. Um, we need to keep going here. That's all we can do, isn't it? We've got Huddersfield on Friday night. I mean, it's a nice game to, to play because they're the worst team in the league. Uh, no matter what Kev says about Everton, uh, they are they are generally the worst team in the league. And, and there are stats to prove it. They are, they are tables, if you will. Um, <laughs> we just need to do our own thing because if we... If we packed in and then City drop points, you'd be gutted. So you've yeah. just got to keep going, keep keep winning, keep doing what you can. And if they win every game, then so be it. Yeah, there's, there's no way you pack in. Um, if they win every game, they deserve to have won the league because their run in the second half of the year is being fantastic. And all we got to do is win three league games. That, that's our job. Our job is three league games and three European games. That's what We've got six games of football to win. Now, we've won lots of games of football. We've won a hell of a lot of games of football. All we've got to do is keep winning. We win six games, we see where we are at the end of it. If we win six games, one, we will have a big shiny cup at the end of it. Yeah. But we might have two big shiny cups because, as Kev's just said, Burnley are going to fancy this. Brighton, not so much. What you say? They that, need to fan- Well, they don't need to fan- No, they do need to fancy it probably by the, by the time you it gets to so. it. You'd But, but yeah. Brighton, Brighton held Tottenham for how long did it take? They've only got to do that for another couple of minutes. Listen, it's, it's hard. This, is, this is true, isn't it? But yeah. Newcastle Mad were never going to beat them when they, when they beat them. And yeah. Palace, Palace, Palace weren't going to beat them. They're definitely them. not going to beat yeah. them when they did it. Do you know what I mean? You're pro- they're not going to. Listen, if they drop points, they drop points. But I just don't see us finish on any less than 97. No, no we so win I, these last three. I, I, th- I think we will because we've got the European Cup to keep going with as well. Yeah. We've got, we've, it's all just be, all 
the momentum is with us and our players look like they're loving it. every time yeah. you go on the pitch even when it's hard work and even when you've got a battle through it it looks like they enjoy the battle and they definitely enjoy the let off when we win mm-hmm. so I, I don't see I don't see us getting any rest than 97 points and then listen we've got a, a, we've got a 50-50 affair against Barcelona and yeah. if you'd ask me I'd say we'd go through on that and you'd be confident to beat neither the other two in the final so six games to go and it's, it, it, either way it's probably going to be a great season for us yeah and it's the third last chance to watch them at home Kiva yeah. These amazing men who've given us so much this season, and that's something to be enjoyed. It's Friday night as well. I'll have had the pint. Uh, I know I'll you're not shy three. either. <laughs> <laughs> not Everyone knows that, don't they? I think. Um, yeah, no, Friday night football. I'm really excited. Looking forward to it. Um, the last chance to see them almost, you know, we're, we're not going to see them a lot more at Anfield this season. Three more. That's how yeah. it started. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm drunk, clearly. <laughs> What's in um, that water bottle? Uh, well, I can't tell you that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to tomorrow and then obviously we've got to, like, like Ian says, we've got six games to win and if we win these, you know, there will be a big cup at the end of it, so... You know, we've just got to not really worry about what City do. And if City go and win the rest of these games, let them have it. I've just enjoyed this season. It's been such a pleasure, you know, going the match, home and away, wherever I've been. I've enjoyed it so much, whether I've watched it on the telly or been at the ground or whatever. It's just been a truly magnificent season. And I feel a bit emotional, actually, because I'm so proud of these players and what they've they've just they've just gave us the time of our lives. And I couldn't be happier watching them. It's just been phenomenal. The best Liverpool team I've ever seen. And... You know, it, it is, if we don't win the Premier League at the end of it, I know, I, like, you know, it doesn't matter because they're still, they're still heroes to me and there's loads of little kids who look up to them and remember these days, so, you know. They've still got three games to go, honestly. All right, yeah, yeah, right. Like, getting emotional like, anyway because if we do win it, it it's going to be They've lost to Bruyne, they've lost Fernandinho. I mean, they've got a lot of other lads to fill in for them. I'm gutted that United didn't just start snapping ankles. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been really decent other than that. United fronted City. City would kick United's head in. They are, they are in dire, dire trouble. Then. I know, but it would have been fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, but the, yeah. the thing is, I reckon United were too scared to do it because, you know, shit, if City kick us back, they're harder than us. I honestly think if Fernandinho doesn't get crocked, they keep, they keep a nil-nil a hell of a lot longer. Yeah, because well, Fernandinho yeah. goes off, the shape of the team changes completely, and all of a sudden, City are much more of a threat than they Sorry, were. Sorry, he's just legging it at them. Yeah, you know, um, it's, it's a hell of a thing off on the bench. But if we don't win the Premiership, we will have people, we will have Twitter recriminating. We'll have the idiots on Twitter recriminating. And if you're recriminating, you're an idiot. I'll enter closer to the mic just for you then. Um, the thing is, we will look at people will look at it and go, well, it's in those games that we drew. We shouldn't have drawn those games. But if City don't win it, their fans are going to be looking at it going, how did we lose four games and Liverpool only lost one and that was us? How did we lose four other teams? This has been a fantastic season. Any team that can only lose one game in a season to date is a hell of a football team and will get better. That's the thing. It's built on solid foundations. So going forward the next couple of years, and if we don't win it this year, I'm confident we'll definitely win in the next couple. Yeah. It's not going away, is it? Like 13, 14, you know, oh, this is the last chance to We're not doing this again. But this this time round, we feel like we're going to mount another chance next year and that's almost a sweeter feeling, isn't it? And two words for it is Brendan Rogers. <laughs> Can't even start thinking about it. So I mean, Kev. Um, so Thursday night there was due to be a thing at Anfield with the England players. I think it was Henderson, Chamberlain, and who else plays for England? Trent. Adam Lallana. Trent. Trent. Oh, sorry. Yeah, maybe Lallana. I, mean, I think it was Trent. There was a thing in Anfield. I it was a quiz. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Three points. They sold four hundred and fifty tickets and oh, they right. cancelled it because they didn't want a distraction for the players. 
Bearing that in mind, is it a bit mad we've let Mo Salah go to New York to hang out with the Mother of the Dragons? <laughs> nah, if, if, I, if, if Mo Salah wants to go to New York, if, if Mo Salah fancies getting on the first SpaceX flight, mate, we let him. <laughs> <laughs> Mo Salah does whatever he wants because, listen, he's not flying easy yet, is he? He's not coming back with muscle strains because he's being cramped in a seat. He's probably being asleep all the way there and all the way back. No he's problems. got a plane with just one big seat yeah. for him. <laughs> just, 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 that wouldn't surprise you. It's not even a seat, it's a throne. <laughs> throne for the Egyptian king. Listen, in theory, you think, mad that he's gone there. But in practice, you think, well, he's had five days between matches. We're playing Huddersfield on Friday night. He's gone there for one night. He's not. Listen, he's not getting on the champagne or not, is he? I don't. I just don't. I don't see it being a problem for him at all. I think, in fairness, it was worth letting Mo Salah go there just so James Sutton could bump into him in Central Park. Yeah, that did happen. That, that genuinely happened. Yeah, that yeah. really happened. Although James does Jam have guess. James does have no pictorial evidence of this. So mm-hmm. he's got. Yeah. He's got he's both got of Mo Salah's back. Yeah, oh, that could be anyone. We've could be anyone. Got, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, James Sutton, if you're listening, can't believe you bombed it. Um, <laughs> but, but but never mind. Um, so you, uh, you're starting, Salah, Amelia. Um, you know, he's been on his flight. He's, he probably hasn't approached long-haul flights like me or you would. Uh, <laughs> he's got he's got a neck pillow. At the, you know, the people that you see at the gate that yeah, are ready. He's prepared for that. Right, so, he's got the socks to stop him getting the, the cloths and that. Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, I mean, this is all relevant. So for you, because of the socks and the neck fella, mm. you straight back in. Yeah, absolutely. Like... Yeah, just yes. I was going to add caveats and buts or like other considerations, but no, it's just a yes. Okay. Uh, apparently, um, according to these notes, Lucy Dola's done for me. Klopp has said Fabinho hasn't been training, so you wouldn't have thought that he play maybe rest him for Barcelona. <laughs> so, I mean, is, there, is everyone going the front three? Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't change that now. Is everyone keeping Matip in? Yeah. Yeah, I think. Because Lovin's doing everyone's head in. I don't know. Just, I, he's poorly. He's a sickly he, child. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. I'm tempted to throw Gomez in. Oh, hello. Just Talk can to me we yet? I think he needs minutes in his legs. For what, for, though? But would you throw him in for I Trent, don't know, though? just for his going forward. <laughs> and like we, if, if Mass have got injured, or because Lovren yeah. sort of... Sickly you know, child. He's a bit iffy, isn't he? He's, Sickly yeah, child. He's a lot of chicken. You know, we, 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 might need, we might need Gomez, and I wouldn't like to see us be in a European Cup final, be bringing someone on for to replace the centre-back, and we, you know... I don't think you, you start you Gomez, though, do you? Like, I don't know. You bring him on, if you want to get some minutes in his legs, you bring him on... Towards the end, I don't know. I don't. Th- I think starting him would be a mad shout at this point with if the they Because I feel like Matip might forget he's good at footballs at the minute, and if he doesn't play, then he might just forget how to play. She needs to keep him going really. so he doesn't think too much. Yeah, just. I mean, I, this 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 maybe Gomez at right back chat. Amelia, looking at you, if you think about Trent, you know he's played a lot of games this season. You know we'll definitely want him for for the next few. Would you would you be using Huddersfield as a bit of a rest, or am I am I sort of you know uh, can't be chickens before they hatch a little bit here? I don't know. It's more with Gomez that like you've not. I feel like I was talking about when he'd be ready to come back a very long time ago and I still haven't seen him on the pitch yet. Yeah. I think that's my concern is that if it hasn't happened yet, maybe there's a reason that he's not been, that that's not happened yet. I do think maybe taking Trent off for one or for a bit of one might be a good idea. I don't know. Essentially, whatever the manager wants to do is the right choice. I mean, that's, that's what what's going to happen. Might. But, you know, we'll, 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 you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit longer. Sorry. If, you, if that's all right with you. <laughs> no, my um, approach is always whatever the manager wants to do. The, the field... Um, if Fabinho doesn't play, I quite like Genie at number six. I thought he was good. I think he's, he's, he's done it a couple of times now. He's also done centre-back, so we know he can function defensively. Play anywhere. Let's, let's just stick him in there, yeah? yeah. I think Genie, Henderson, Keita. I think that that's a sound midfield, especially when you're playing somebody who's not necessarily going to be trying to play the ball through the middle of the platform. Yeah. You, know, you don't necessarily need Fabinho making last-ditch saving tackles to break up play and whatnot. On the fullback thing, it wouldn't surprise me if he's if he swaps both fullbacks out. If okay. if he is looking at them and thinking, Neil made a good point on another show saying that's it. <laughs> <laughs> he did honestly. I, I genuinely heard him. <laughs> he's uh, he's talking about the fullbacks the other day, not necessarily struggling, 
but not wanting to do the sprints, which felt like, you know, you made the point that it might be a little bit sports science saying maybe they're saving the legs a bit because now is the time of the season where you might get a muscle injury if you're off feeling a little bit more fatigued. And if you're going to make a change for anyone to be fresh, I'd say Robertson probably could do with a change and you can put Milner over there. I don't need to be any any major concerns with that he's not played a lot of football recently and if Gomez is fit you can put him at right back take Trent out and just say listen I'm taking you out because you, next week you're going to play three games in six days and every game is going to be equally as intense as the last one including Newcastle because we'll mm-hmm. still be in with a chance of it then and if, if the drop points against Burnley we'll be literally going for the league title there so yeah. I think if you're going to if you are going to rest them now is the time to do it because then three games next week are just the season defining aren't they mm. Okay, uh, huge thanks to everyone in the room. Hope that's whetted your appetite for Huddersfield on Friday night. And now I'm off to talk to Lil Connor because he's my best mate. It's John Gibbons from the Anfield Rap and here at the Liverpool Lighthouse at the Levi's Music Project. And we're here with an old friend, old buddy, Lil Connor. How are you? Very, very well, sir. Very good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you, man. Um, I mean, just to take it all the way back, if you don't mind, sort of when when the guys asked you to get involved in the project. why was it that you want? Because it's, it's obviously a big chunk of your time. Obviously, yeah, yeah. You're, you're an artist that's exploding all around yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah. So why was it that you kind of that you wanted to to give some of your very busy schedule to help this? But this is just the most important stuff to be doing. Do you know what I mean, if you look back on, if I was to look back on my twenties and think like, what's the cool things I've been doing? One of this would be one of the best things I've been a part of because it's you know affecting the lives of young people. And being a young person myself, like. How could there be anything better to do with my time than to help out? And also just because it helps inspire me kind of selfishly to be here and look at musicians working hard and being innovative and inquisitive helps me be innovative and inquisitive, you know? So, yeah, it's kind of for myself almost a bit. And obviously you're a huge Liverpool fan. The fact yeah. that it's over the road from the ground must have been a, bit, a little yeah, bit of a sway yeah, as well. Like a, it was just an easy, easy conversation because I saw Skepta did the one in London. And I yeah. was like, well, London's not possible now. So then where do I do it? And there was nowhere else in the, in, in the UK that I, I would kind of just fit in. You know, I've got so many friends up here that I've met through music and through shows and other community work I've done that I kind of have a, like an extended family up here. Do you know what I mean? So to be here, I've just felt so supported from day dot. So. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a great thing that, yeah. that sort of everyone here's doing it, Levi's are doing, obviously you guys getting involved as mm-hmm. as well. How's it been kind of watching these young people grow? Because I we interviewed a couple of them last week and mm. they were just buzzing off the whole experience, obviously yeah. working with you, but obviously everyone they've learned from. What's it been like from your point of view watching them grow? Incredible, really, just because, you know, it, it's, it's great like being in a place like this when you look at something like Anfield and you see how much money is being pumped into a football club and into a and then you look at the area around it and you kind of you want to see that same thing happening around here and so to see them take this opportunity and, and run with it I mean and be dedicated and passionate and a lot of them were super shy when it started yeah. and, and to kind of see them go from being super shy to being I don't know kind of comfortable in their own skin and to understand you know what message they want to tell that was the thing that I wanted to help them figure out was just like what do you want to say who do you want to impress you know and so to have that um, instilled in them or like for them to feel like they can really speak their mind is a big deal for me. So I guess that's how, they, in my eyes, that's what it's been like to see them yeah. flourish, you know? So you're performing at Sound City, they're performing yeah. at Sound City. Yeah. Like, which one are you looking forward to more? They're, which one are you more nervous I about? Think, I think I'm more nervous about mine and I'm more excited about them, <laughs> which is the wrong way around. That's so they've got it nailed. They've got it sorted like... and I'm just uh, in, in trouble. I don't know, <laughs> no, do you know what it is? It's just that... For them, I'm just so excited for people to see, you know, especially when you're that age, I'm so jealous of, you know, when you're a little bit younger and you're excited about making music, like to show people. You know, it's like when you're doing a school project and you know you've done really well 
and you want to show the rest of the class that you've yeah. kind of got something in the bag. It's like that when you're at home and you know you bought someone a really great present and you finally get to give it to them. It's that like that's what they have. They have this thing that no one's ever heard before that they know is brilliant that they're about to share for the first time. So I can't wait for that. I'm just coming with some, you know, old dog new tricks. <laughs> <laughs> but they're gonna blow people away. Hopefully. No, 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 I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, they they definitely will. They just because they've been working so hard, you know, you can't like put that much time that they've been putting in and, and not do brilliantly, do you know what I mean? It'll be scary for them for sure and there'll probably be some mistakes, but it'll be wicked. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the whole project, I've, I've felt kind of really, I mean, we were made up that Levi's asked us to get involved mm-hmm. because it's like, it's such a cool thing. And what I didn't realize when we got first got asked to to do it and what I found out more recently is this space is gonna stay here. Yeah, now, yeah, and that's really wicked. cool because, because you know what the, the area is like yeah, around yeah, here, it's yeah, tough, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And so so the fact that this is now a music space that, that people can use, well, yeah. for, for hopefully yeah. 30, 40 years is, is unbelievable. <laughs> but that's it though, that's, that's exactly why I wanted to be part of it, because it's like a legacy that's being left, not necessarily my own, you know, I'm just coming and going with it, I'm helping out where I can and I'll go when I go, but, you know, to just to be any small part of getting this off the ground and to, I don't know, you're thinking like, yeah, exactly, in like 30 years time, kids might be coming out of school thinking, no, we don't have much, but then across the road they have this, and if they're interested in music, production, management, anything that kind of falls under the music arc, they have a space to, I don't know, follow that excitement or that, that ambition or dream or whatever, you know? So, yeah, it's ridiculous. The matter, like, I'd have done anything to have a sign like this in my area, because mm. my area was a lot like this, just in a different part of the UK, you know? Yeah. So, that's wicked, isn't it, really? <laughs> no, it's great, it's great. In terms of yourself, it's been like a pleasure to watch how you've kind of like grown as an artist since we last kind of met and, and you, you're smashing it. Right? I mean, like sellout tours, album out next week. Yeah, it's true. I mean, true. the album, are you excited? It must be like, you can't wait to get it out yeah, there. Yeah, I'm just nervous, man. It's like, I don't know, it's a weird, weird one for me because it's like a second album. So I don't know what everyone says that they're like, they're usually rubbish, so I don't know if mine's going rubbish or not. But I don't know, I'm just excited to get back at it. It's nice because this is the first time I felt like no matter what happens with the new music, I'm going to keep going with more music. It's not yeah. kind of like a means to an end. It's like the second part of a story that will just keep going. So I'm excited. It's just, yeah, it's been interesting trying to figure out how to find time for that one, also having time for this and the cooking school and blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> I've managed it somehow. And so, yeah, it's just, yeah, for me, it's just, Blessing, man. Stay busy, make money. What else can I ask for, you know? And do things you enjoy. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the tour, people can obviously see you with yeah, Sound yeah, City. Yeah, Most yeah. of the tour sold out, but they can see you kind of with Sound yeah, City. Yeah, Sound City is like the spot. If they, if they are at Liverpool. Or if you've got football shirts in the size large, you can swap them for two tickets, any show. <laughs> is that still a thing? Yeah, but no United shirts, obviously. <laughs> we've, got some, we've got some gifts for yeah, you, man. Yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. We, we always do. We always have to. You, you, know, you, you expect it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it would be sad if you did. I'd have been livid. But what, what I really like about your live shows is I've, I've, I kind of saw you back in, in kind of Kitchen Street and, yeah. uh, and then obviously to, to the, art, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Arts Club and stuff. Mm-hmm. You've, you've, you've developed it quite a lot, haven't you? you yeah, yeah. You've sort of built a set, you've got things going on behind, yeah, you've yeah, got yeah, kind yeah. of animations. Is, mm-hmm. it, is it still kind of growing? Yeah, yeah, it's growing now. We've got a band now, so it's me, Keys, Bass and Dex, Rebel Clef on Dex. So oh, great. <laughs> it's grown to, to a point where, you know, it's a bit more of a community and it's kind of gone back to the... Some of the hip hop that I grew up, you know, falling in love with, you know, like the roots and just just this kind of idea of guys like Common and his new group, August Green, this idea of being like around musicians. Cause then you start to feel, you know, like you're, I don't know, like you're safe and secure and that then makes the show better. So yeah, it's wicked. I can't wait to to play this new these new songs and a new set with new people. So Scary, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's, it's scary, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I guess that's what it's important to get accustomed to kind of bring it back to the young people is mm. that I think when you're 17, 18, you feel like people kind of, they, they maybe think, oh, loyal, he's, 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 he's never gets nervous yeah, now, he's yeah, fine yeah, and yeah. stuff. But I think 
kind of te- teaching them that you're always, really I mean, you'd always worry, but mm. you've got to challenge yourself. You've got to put yourself into difficult positions because that's, that's how you grow. It's, well, precisely, man, you know, like without rain, nothing grows. I mean, you have to like, being in, like, out of your comfort zone is the best place to be. It's just kind of a scary place. That's why I felt so cool about this next album because I'm super scared about it coming out, which means it can't be awful because, you know, if it was, if I was like, yeah, it'd be fine, it'll be because I didn't try. Yeah. I didn't do anything, you know? So at least even if it's not good or people don't like it, it's it's something different, you know, it's something that's pushed myself. And I think that's what's so cool about them being so nervous and afraid or worried or, you know, like uh, anxious is because they've they've put their heart on their sleeve and they're about to show people that. And that's not an easy thing to do. If mm. it was easy, then everyone would do it, you know? So they've been brave? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, in my opinion, they are. I hope people think it they are as well. But yeah, being when you're being weak is when you're really being strong, isn't it? So for them to be like weak in front of other people is like the bravest thing you can do. Anyone can be a tough guy in front of people, you know, but to be yeah, kind of open and, you know, open to maybe scrutiny or to different opinion is not easy, so. Um, just to finish on the footy then, um, the Reds this season, it's been exciting, they've done amazing, they're so close. <laughs> I'm killing you, sorry, man. <laughs> Are they going to do it? Yeah, they have to do it, but, you know, it's, it was clear cut for me for a bit and I was running my mouth. Actually, I wasn't running my mouth, but a few of my Liverpool friends were running their mouth about how we're going to win the league and we're going to win it with weeks to go and now we got to the point where we're like a point behind or whatever, two points behind and it's just like, if we can do it, it will be, it won't be a miracle, but it will be, it will still be a big deal. Yeah. And I like the fact that it's been a title race because it makes it a story, but it's cities to lose. But in my opinion, it was cities to lose when we were seven games ahead, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, seven points ahead, so, Yeah. Wait and see, but it's the yeah. Champions League as well, which yeah, is like Champions kind of League. like everyone's forgot about it yeah, and yeah, suddenly yeah, realise yeah. we're in a quarter Champions final. Champions League, I reckon we'll do all right. Um, but Ajax are looking wicked, Juventus are looking wicked, Barcelona are looking wicked, United are whatever. You know, it's like it could happen. Tottenham, City, it's not like it's not easy. But I think we've got even more chance in Champions League. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a shame actually because because I've been working so hard on this, I was supposed to be writing another poem for the BT Sport, um, and I can't do it because um, I'm here working with the kids, so I'm kind of gutted about that, but. Shout out to them anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't do everything. Yeah, no, I know. I can't be everywhere at once. <laughs> uh, huge thanks to Lowe for giving yes. us some time and, and also supporting young people in the city, man. It's really good of you and it's a fantastic project. Uh, if you want to know more about the Levi's Music Project, we'll put in a, a little link up, up below this so you can see kind of how they developed and hopefully you've enjoyed us telling the story as it's progressed and hopefully we're going to Liverpool Sound City. We're going to be doing something on the Friday night which is really cool. I'll be there so. as <laughs> well. is headlining the Sunday and the young people are going to be hopefully performing with us but certainly doing their own stuff as well uh, along with hundreds of amazing acts all weekend so do get down but in the meantime thanks to Lowell again for his time and thanks to Levi's for hosting this amazing thing that's what we do it is the Reds Bet insert on the weekend. The Reds Bet people have partnered us all season and we are delighted they are doing so and into next year as well, which is great. Uh, they've been supporting the Anfield Wrap and we would like you to support them. If you do gamble, if you don't, then that is completely fine and we don't encourage gambling. But it, for those of you who do like a flutter, uh, do have a look at Reds Bet because they get 50% of their losses back to supporter courses. That's 50% of, the, of your losses back into supporter courses and they've wrote some great checks recently. So yeah, so we're going to go through some of the Reds Bet specials and with Kevin Walsh and maybe Kiva O'Neill she can't quite decide whether she fancies it or not so we'll start with you Kev uh, the top one of the Liverpool specials Liverpool to win the Champions League 13-5 to five. yeah I'm sound with that because I think if we go through against Barcelona which is probably a 50-50 shot yeah so then, evens to go through with, um... and then, but you'd imagine we'd be favourites in, in any yeah. final wouldn't you I think yeah this last season 
yeah, it feels like it's building up to a crescendo, doesn't it? So yeah, I don't think it's too bad. That's nearly three to one. Yeah, exactly. Um, who do you fancy to win the other one? Out of interest, I think Tottenham will think they're going to win it, but I think it's written for Ajax to do it because they've the teams that they've beaten. It's the last chance as a team as well, isn't it? Which they'll, they'll be thinking. Which is mad, but you, you know, with them, they've got so many boss players that. I don't. They can't sell them all in one summer because they have none left. Like even Dusan Tadic, I've seen his numbers unbelievable. Yeah. So I'd, I'd fancy, I'd say Ajax to go through and then hopefully to get tonked by the Reds in the final. Okay. Um. So Liverpool Ajax final, by the way, is seven to two with Reds better. If you do fancy that and you agree with Kevin, um, Liverpool to beat Huddersfield by four or more goals, seven to four. That's um. A, that's a tight one, isn't it? Feels short to me. Just. I feel like it'll be 3-0 because I've got an interesting staff for you. The referee is Kevin Friend on Friday and he refereed both games last year versus Huddersfield and we won them both 3-0, so I'm going for a 3-0. I also think as well, Kev, you might have an eye on other games that are coming up, so it might be a case of if if Liverpool are doing well, sort of 2 or 3-0 after 60, they might decide, you know what, Barcelona next week. Yeah, but goal difference is not going to make any difference to us at all. So uh, the, people are still like I'm having a little vague hope. It's not happening. They're either going to win the league because City have dropped points and we've won all ours, or we're not. So I don't. I can't see us going hell for leather. For as you say, if we get three 0 up in the first half, we're not coming out in the second half to try and score twenty. It's because there's just absolutely no need to. But by the same token, Huddersfield are terrible, and we when we hit our stride, but they what are the odds for it? Seven to four, two four sh- or more. Goals. It's a little bit too short. You're three to one. I think you'd be talking. Yeah, let's have a ten. I like this one. Firmino, Salomon. Sane, which is Mane, surely. Firmino, Mane and Salah all to score versus Huddersfield. Four to one. They've done it quite a few times this season. Yeah, they've, they, I think they were, there was a little period where they were, it wasn't happening for them. And in the last few games, it's happened a couple of times. That one is, would definitely draw me in test, which I suppose makes a bit of a mockery of me saying we're not going to win by more than four <laughs> goals, but there we go. That's always good odds, oddly, isn't it? For that's, that. a, that's a decent and, bet, I'd say. Yeah. Okay, uh, all those picks this week. I always like to keep an eye on them. He's gone for Brighton to win to nil against Newcastle, um, which is which is an interesting one. That's eleven to four. He's gone Man City to win and both teams to score against Burnley. Come on, Aldo, play the game, lad. Uh, <laughs> two to one. That that is decent to be fair. But um, nah, come on, Aldo. And uh, and Man United Chelsea. He's gone for one each. That is twenty five to four. So if you want to see one of Aldo's picks or one of Kev Walsh's picks instead, um, do check out RedsBet.com. As I say, they're partnering us. If you do like a gamble. Then have a look at Red's Bet. If you don't, that is completely fine and we don't encourage it. But as I say, if you do, then have a little look at Red's Bet. Um, yeah, that's been the Red's Bet Inter for this week. And back to us in the studio. Thanks a lot to Loyal, as ever, for uh, spending time to, to uh, speak to us about the Reds and also about Sound City. Uh, he's going to be out at Liverpool Sound City and so are the Anfield Wrap. The Anfield Wrap are there on Friday night at Constellations. It's going to be an event that's completely free to get in. So uh, we encourage you to buy a Sound City wristband. But if you just fancy the Friday night because you've got stuff on the Reds, on and that aren't um, if you just want to come down on the Friday night you can come in completely for free um, so that's the Friday night at Constellations we'll be there from 7.30 till 9.30 doing a football panel doing a bit of footy chat and then we're going to have some music from Liverpool Axe as well some of the young people from the music project will be performing along with uh, Liverpool Band the Shipbuilders so it should be a really good night 7.30 to 9.30 in Constellations completely free that'll be next week so yeah sounds good um, but in the meantime another thing that's going on in May is WOW Festival so we went to talk about WOW Festival it was me and Lizzie I think um, again but working hard this week so here that is and it's John Gibbons here uh, for the weekend and we are here to talk about Writing on the Wall I'm joined by Lizzie Doyle from the Anfield Rap and uh, Mike Morris who's co-director of Writing on the Wall and first of all I just want to say congratulations Mike because 
20 years to to do anything is, is a long time to keep anything going, especially at times when, you know, it, there's, there's issues of funding and austerity and things like that. So the fact that it is that Liverpool's longest serving literary festival is its 20th anniversary. That's really nice very proud. It does. Thanks for saying it. You know, it's, um, you know, you kind of look back. Time passes quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> when, you, when you look back. Sure. Right? Uh, it's been, you know, quite a, uh, a campaign at times to keep it going. But, you know, we've worked hard. We've got a great team of people around us, our trustees, our staff, you know, all of that. And, uh, you know, we work well with the funders. And we're constantly, you know, working to come up with ideas that are, um, are not just attractive from the point of view of fun, but matter and make a difference to people that can be fun, can be things like our Right to Work project, or obviously the festival as well, that add something to the, uh, the colour of uh, Merseyside and, uh, you know, bring really top cultural events into the area. Yeah, because it does stand out to Merseyside, obviously, with a music city and there's, there's the festivals that go on there, but something like this that... That is a little bit different, but is there to kind of inspire people, as you say, to entertain people as well, but also to get us all thinking a little bit more and hopefully writing a little bit more as well. Well, that's one thing. I mean, there's the thing we're a music city. If you think about it, what is, you know, music um, predominantly lyrics? It's poetry, it? yeah. And, you know, we, we've got an incredible amount of people who've contributed so much lyrically to this city. And we cover music. You know, this year we've got an event with um, Polystyrene's daughter in the British Music Exhibition and uh, with um, uh, the um, Zoe Howe the sports uh, writer, uh, sorry, the sports writer. We've got sports on my mind today. <laughs> We've just been talking about Obvious football. reasons. <laughs> the music writer who's written Dayglow about the life of Polystyrene. So, you know, we cover music, we cover lyrics, we cover all of those things right through to theatre, etc. I think it does stand out though, uh, but I think that the, the thing with our festival is it's a literary festival, but we're a writing organisation and writing festival. So it's a very active type of uh, engagement that we do in, in, in getting people involved as much as bringing great authors like Will Self or Ben Ochre to the city. We also get people writing and developing their own talent. And through that, we've been able to publish a whole raft of people, including last year, our first novel, which is by a woman called Rose Thomas. It's called Bess. Uh, it's set in Liverpool, late from the 40s through to the 80s. And unbelievably, she is the first ever Liverpool-born black woman novelist to be published. And we published there last year. So we try and make sure that, uh, you know, people from the community find pathways and get the professional support to become writers themselves. Which is incredible. And, and as you say, the events kind of range in, in size and, and kind of type, really. Um, you've got Booker Prize winners and, you know, and, and things like that. Uh, probably the biggest name is Joe Brand, who's coming um, to town and, and, and kind of doing something at the festival. Yeah, so she's in the, uh, the Philharmonic Hall. Uh, that's um, fairly on fairly early on in the festival yeah 14th of May 14th of May um, I think it's going to be brilliant we made up to get Joe Brand you know she, she's a real voice she's a real character and I think she's got a real story to tell her book Born Lippy uh, where she talks about um, you know being, being a woman and we'll talk about her life and comedy and all those things I think is really attractive that's selling very very well another huge name is Mike Lee the film director who is coming to do a screening of his latest film Peterloo about the Peterloo massacre in Manchester and he'll be doing a live Q&A and we've just been up to the Crosby uh, Community Cinema, the Crosby Plaza, uh, to see the staff there drop off a few posters and do a little bit of tech talk. And um, I can't say how, how pleased we are to be in there. You know, it's such a beautiful cinema. It's run by the community for the community. And the fact that they've kept that going in a similar way to writing on the wall is a real uh, achievement. And we try and, you know, do, you know, where we can is match up with uh, people in local venues like that. And I think, Mike Lee, we were already talking, I mean, the tickets are flying out the door for that as well. Uh, a real unique chance to to meet a legendary director in person. 
Can I? Sorry, John. Can I just ask? Um, you talked there about the the cinema um, and the spaces that you use for the festival. Like, what has the reaction been like over the years from the city? Do you find it quite easy to get these venues, or do you have a particular mindset in in where you choose the venues? So, uh, for example, like I done a workshop for writing on the wall yeah. in Toxted Library and. I've never been there, but it's a lovely building. Nice, um, yeah. And, you know, you, like I say, you're choosing that cinema in particular. Yeah. Do you purposely choose these more independent venues for a reason? Well, where we can, because I think it's important, um, the type of work that we do to support the community of people who are similar to ourselves. What you find, though, is right throughout most of the, the venues in the city is that, you know, the, the, the amazing work that people are doing, whether it's in the more professional venues like the, the Philharmonic Hall or higher end, if you like, uh, we get great support off them, you know, in terms of working with them. They recognise kind of where we're coming from. And so, you know, we're able to link up and, and we tend to um, quite often we're looking for venues that suit the event that we're doing as well. So, you know, Joe Brand has obviously got to be in a big venue. Mike Lee in a, in, in a good-sized cinema. But we have Toxic Library, for example, which you mentioned, which is a beautiful building. And, you know, we were very lucky working with the library services to be given an office in there. So we're based in there. We put a lot of our events in there as well. So we're promoting libraries. And we've got a whole series of events taking place in local libraries as well because they're under pressure. You know, this city, as we know, has been absolutely decimated in terms of the cuts that the council has put, uh, the, the government has put through, something like £40 million, £440 million, sorry, over the last um, 10 uh, years or so. And the fact that we have still got functional libraries is a real credit to, you know, the kind of council and all of the people plugging away at that. But our library, um, Toxic Library, is, is closed for two days a week because of obviously the impact. So we're trying to promote and encourage uh, the recognition of libraries as community hubs as well. And that's why if you look at our programme, we've got a whole series of events, uh, the likes of the author Alan Gibbons, uh, Scarlett Thomas and people like that, who are doing events in Central Library or in some of the local libraries too. Um, a couple of names that will be familiar to Liverpool fans that might be of interest to people who are who, who are listening. In particular, um, Phil Scratton, first of all, who's done a huge amount of amazing work around, around Hillsborough, um, is doing something along with uh, Tony Platt, who's, who's over from the University of California. Um, can you just let people know a little bit more about that event? Yeah, so the event is on the 20th of May, and that's taking place in the Blue Coats. So it's called Crime, Punishment and the Politics of Fear, Tony Platt and Phil Scranton as well. So Tony Platt, who people won't know as well as Phil Scranton, is a renowned criminologist from the University of California who's written a, a whole number of books about crime and uh, punishment. And he's going to be talking with Phil. Phil, you know, people know Phil for his work around Hillsborough, but he's done a huge amount of work around prisons and incarceration as well. And so they're going to be talking about the social and political consequences of criminalisation and mass incarceration and the effect that has upon the families, the prisoners and the wider community as well. So that's, um, I think, a, a very, very, very relevant uh, discussion at the moment you know the the prison service as we, we we've seen there were some reports you know not long ago about the amount of cuts within the prison service the pressure upon them but the wider issue of you know for for the vast majority of offenses is incarceration the solution and does it bring about any lasting change yeah, as you say, that's on the 20th of May at the Blue Coat, which is a wonderful building if anyone hasn't been. Uh, and then also our friend Brian, Brian Reed, is uh, doing some stuff on, on fake news, which I know he's very passionate about uh, <laughs> yeah. from his Twitter. Yes, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, this, this, this a couple of years ago, fake news would not have been 
the the phrase that we understand it to be. You know, this is something that you know Donald Trump has uh, has mastered really as a way of just dismissing anything that he doesn't agree with. But what we are seeing is a proliferation, particularly because of the internet, uh, of trolls who are constantly in troll factories that are just pumping out information that we have no idea where it's coming from and we've got no idea, you know, who is behind it and what what the truth is or otherwise, you know, even video content being created that suggests one thing and uh, while the reality may be completely different. Now, the the national press, in my opinion, you know, um, uh, in some ways might have laid the groundwork for this because we know, you know, know, if we talk about Liverpool fans, you know, and and the Sun. And I remember being involved in the campaign, you know, to get the, uh, to to boycott the, uh, the Sun is that um, they have well and truly played this game for a long, long time. And I think it's because of the way that it's been utilised now in, in the internet, it's really be kind of coming in, into focus. So Brian, along with some other fa- fantastic uh, journalists and writers, so Dawn Foster, Des Freeman, Brian Cathcart, Thursday 9th of May and the Blue Coats again, are going to be discussing the impact of that and seeing uh, y- you know, whether there are any solutions, whether there's anything that can be done in, in, in this age, or, or more may- maybe importantly, how do we kind of educate and arm people uh, to be able to critically evaluate the news that coming in and maybe compact fake news as well because i think part of the problem is obviously now there's this speed to be first on news isn't there and there's so many sites out there that are providing news and there was a, an example of it you mentioned about liverpool fans there there was an example of it over the weekend where um a football website ran a story about liverpool fans singing songs about Sola, the, yeah. about the um about the death of, of cardiff's salah yeah. um and it, it turns out it was run on the back of a tweet that um, there was a troll, as you say. So yeah. you mentioned Charles before. So so this guy, for reasons, you know, he, he only he knows thought it'd be funny to make up this story. And then suddenly it's, it's it's a news article, and then it's getting sort of shared and and things like that. And then the the, the story is all around the world before the, the chief can put his shoes on. I was just it? thinking exactly the same. But I mean, I I saw that story, and and I, I knew there's absolutely no way that Liverpool fans in that game would have done that. There's a, no reason to do it. And secondly, it was a massive outpouring of sympathy for him uh, and his family in, in what was you know a, a young life tragically cut short on, on on the point of a real achievement why would Liverpool fans uh, do that so I didn't believe it for, for a moment but I think there's a tweet that goes out and then is published on a news website there's, that news website is a fault because you can't dictate. I mean, who's to say why somebody in the room, uh, you know, decides suddenly to tweet? They may have heard somebody else say it's a rumour. They've decided to tweet it. Not justifying that. I think it's absolutely wrong. But a legitimate news website should never put something like that up without being, uh, uh, you know, checking out whether there's any truth in it whatsoever. Because they're not there to create the news and they're not there to spread rumours. They, they should have a holding on that and say, well, we need to find that out. And on the basis of one tweet, can you possibly justify a news story? I, I also think, like, we're, we're a media organisation. I've worked in a big media organisation before this and I have always personally felt a responsibility to myself and to other people to provide, a, you know, a proper news source, a proper source, you know, good information and not to jump off the back of the fact of you just need to be first. And there is this massive demand to be first at the minute with social media. Mm. Um, it seems that a lot of people get their news from Twitter now, including myself, but we do all have a responsibility um, to, to take care with what we're posting, uh, make sure it's okay, make sure it's correct, before just getting a bit hasty about it. Uh, and I think I really like the sound of this, um, the whole festival. It, it's about making you think. And um, just going quickly back to the workshop that 
myself and Josh Sexton, who's our editor, done yep. with uh, Jay McKenna from um, the Northwest TUC. We'd done a writing to work workshop, which was really good based on podcasts. And it was a lot of people coming in with ideas um, of podcasts and, mm. and what, you know, if they were to create a podcast, what would they make it on? And it was really interesting to see some of the ideas that they were coming up with. Like there was a really cool one about Liverpool Black History and then a bit of a tale of two cities, which reminded me a little bit of a Guardian yeah. article to do with Kensington and Liverpool and yeah. Kensington down south. That's right, yeah, um, I remember that one. And yeah, the, I mean, the, the Brian Reed talk in particular, but everything about this, the where are we now question is very, it's very thought provoking. Yeah, well, I think that's what we try to do. We always theme the festival. So we're asking questions rather than saying, well, this is it, just come to this festival. It's, well, it's a, it's a time to think. So we have an event on the environment with uh, some fantastic speakers, including the Mayor of Nottingham, uh, uh, Nottingham Majid Majid, who is uh, an environmental campaigner. And if you look at what's happened over the last few days with the Extinction Rebellion in London, with the young activist Greta coming over to speak as well, this is a global phenomenon, which is um, it's something, you know, they're, they're demanding, you know, the, 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 the level of, of carbon to be cut uh, by, I can't remember the exact figure, but by 2025. Lots of people say, no, that, that's, that's impossible. But there was a really interesting, uh, talking about the media, Radio 4 this morning, there was a, a programme about the, remember the ozone layer, but I think it was back in the 90s? Mm. Hold it open up in the sky. Next thing, through the campaign, you had Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev signed uh, an agreement, and, and internationally that was signed, and they, they wiped it out. They stopped the use of CFCs. There's no reason why, if you didn't have governments intervene in this, that they could tackle this uh, this climate. But they, you know, it, it's a huge decision, and it shouldn't just be left to school children to campaign and to raise awareness about this. Thanks to Mike for coming in. Uh, that was really interesting. And if you want to know more about the festival, we've only scratched the surface here, obviously, in uh, 10 minutes or so. But if you want to know more, you can get the full lineup at www.wowfest.uk. They're also on Twitter at Wowfest and Facebook, writing on the wall.liverpool. But yeah, thanks a lot for coming uh, in, Mike. Thanks for letting me come in and um, fingers crossed for the rest of the season. <laughs> Indeed. Cheers. Thanks a lot to Mike for coming in and talking to us about Wildfest. Uh, do check them out online. Uh, they've got the website, which I read out just before, and also across all social media as well. It's a really good festival, and it's good that it takes place, and congratulations to them again. 20 years of doing anything is a fantastic achievement. Uh, next up, uh, part four, we've got Andy Heaton and Paul Coper says here. You can tell Paul's out of work. Uh, he's coming in doing all sorts. Um, and they spoke to Jed Rear, who's been the Liverpool statist- statistician. Statistician, thanks to Kev. Your mic's not on, but you're still helping me, so I appreciate it. Um, I'm struggling to speak here. As I say, Jed Rea, he's been that word for quite a while at Liverpool Football Club. And Andy Heaton and Paul Cope went and spoke to him about that. It's Andy Heaton, and I'm uh, delighted to be joined by Paul Cope and uh, Jed Rea just for a little chat about Liverpool season so far, where we are. And Jed, you know, as, as a statistician for Liverpool Football Club, how it might compare to previous seasons. I mean, what, what, what have you made of it so far? Well, firstly, it's been absolutely fabulous. Um, the entertainment, the unity between all strands of the football club, the players on the pitch, even the number crunching, everything about it has just been brilliant. But we ideally want an end product. We want the title. I mean, where, where is it? Because I mean, looking at your work now, I've seen you in the in the press box. I mean, what's the... Um, as someone who's who's not so much invested in, not that you're not invested, but you've got, you, you've got to be a bit more serene about it, mm. shall I say, than maybe mm-hmm. me, the likes of myself and Paul in the stands who go, who, who are nerves are shredding, we all go mm-hmm. potty. Mm. What's your gauge on 
what's going on around the atmosphere around. I mean, from almost from an independent point of view, the atmosphere has been great this season. Have you noticed the changes? And what, what, what's it felt like around the club, so to speak? I think latterly, I think at the beginning of the season, they started off really well. So you had that really encouraging start on the first six, six or seven games. Um, but then it was always a case of, well, it looks like top four now. We're doing well. We're we're really we're really on a bit of a run, and then round the time City started to lose those two games in three or three and four, whatever it was, then I think things started to change a little bit. And I think the pr- not pressure or expectation, it was things got ratcheted up a little bit where we started to believe that Liverpool were going to take it very very close. Um. And it's just been nip and tuck, cat and mouse. It's I don't know how to describe it really. It's like it's like somebody in the high jump or the pole vault. They go over, they set a world record, and you think, right, great, that's it now, surely. And then the opposition, the rivals, come and do it exactly the same. And it is just like a tightrope. And now, at this real key point of the season, I think there's a firm belief that we can. I mean, from a numbers point of view, Paul, and I'll, go, I'll come come to you on this. It's I think it kind of gets lost in the context of just how much Liverpool have improved given mm. the, the race with City. I mean, you look at the mm. points total from last season to where we are now. Mm. You know, regardless of how this ends, if Liverpool post a ninety-five or ninety-seven point season, that that's got to be looked upon whether it yields a Premier League trophy or not as a as a massive achievement. Yeah, well, well I've I've said time and time again now, and I remember saying at the start of the season that. Klopp was capable of building the greatest ever Liverpool side on a points basis, even accounting for adjustments for the past when it was two points a game and all that and 42 league games. And he might not win the league. And, and I, I was sort of preparing myself from that for that months and months ago and it, and it could still happen. I'm, I still I still believe we can we can win it. The, the big thing I'd, I want to ask Jed, because I've been asking lots of people this, is I'm thinking about it a lot. How, have you ever seen anything like this? I, I keep referring to this loosely as possibly the greatest ever head-to-head between two sides at the top flight of English football. Because I, I can't, and I don't, I mean, I don't remember every every league challenge, yet, obviously, in the past, but I can't think off the top of my head of any, where it was, as you say, nip and tuck, switching hands at this level, at you know, this high point total. You're absolutely right. Certainly, 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 you're absolutely right. Certainly not one involving Liverpool. I'm just trying to think back if there has been, you know, United... When United were overhauled by Arsenal, United had a big points gap that Arsenal chiselled away at. When Newcastle blew up and United won, the same applied. Mm. In Liverpool's title chases, you see football, the whole dynamic of football has changed, whereas back in the day, everybody played at three o'clock on a Saturday. Yeah. Whereas now, it's you play today, we'll play tomorrow, and that's why the league has changed hands I think it's 28 times this season. Yeah. Simply because of, well, largely because of the kickoff times and obviously largely because of the durability and the focus that both Liverpool and City have, where it's almost as if they're not interested in what the opposition are doing. It's Mm. just a case of win the game, win the game, win the game. And that's what Guardiola and Klopp are particularly brilliant at. And like you say, if you get a record points tally, (laughs) And you don't win the league. If you only lose one game in the league, which has never happened to Liverpool since the very first season in league football when they went unbeaten the whole season. Wow. But that was only 
22 games, I think. Um, when you think of the points that they've had to make up, it, it it's absolutely staggering. I think I was saying to uh, saying to Andy before, as it, as it stands at the moment of all of the 119 previous league title winners, Liverpool have now accumulated more points than 93 of them, and they might not end up win the league. Yeah, that is just staggering, and we wouldn't deserve it. It's not. It's not a fluke. You know, we haven't had all the refereeing decisions. We haven't had the same eleven players all the time. We have had to work so hard mm. to get it, and it would be. I don't think City deserve to lose, to be honest. But certainly in Liverpool's case, I don't know. I don't know. I'd recover. I'm sure. The great thing about the Jurgen and, and the team at the moment is they have now established and perfected the art of being able to live in a bubble. And the noise that goes on outside, they are not, uh, they're not sort of like aware of. They're totally oblivious to. It. But for us, it's just we're living on the edge. Do you not yeah. think though that like that this? And I said that after Kiev last year. It, it, it this is a team on a journey. It's not a finished product by any sense of the imagination. Regardless of how well they've done, you can see where they can improve. You can see them growing. And I don't know. It might be polarised wishful thinking a little bit but it seems that it's a bit more the foundations are a bit more solid than maybe they were under Brendan Rodgers or under Rafa when they had the thing with the ownership on in the background and also the other side of it you, you look at that team it, and how much I said before how much they've improved and they're also a team full of leaders you've got mm-hmm. Virgil van Dijk's there you've got the goalie you've got the front three Jordan Henderson in the last couple of weeks look not winning the not winning the title but it'd be a massive blow you can't pretend it wouldn't be but what I'd say is as well, from the psychological point of view, is you know if you just turn around and I go, look, you finished with ninety five slash ninety seven points, whatever it is. If you do that again next year, boys, mm. you win the league. If you do if you do that three years and if you if you can maintain that for three years or better, you're going to win the league mm. more often than you don't. Yeah, I right. think I think history tells you that if you're this good, you don't go away. And I think, and this, we might all be sitting here trying to piece together how it's all going to pan out. This might not even be the end game. This not might not even be the start of the journey of winning something. It, this might be just a stepping stone to something bigger and better, as hard as that is to imagine. Mm. But it's just a journey, as you said before, about leaders. There are leaders that have emerged this season that you didn't think were capable. Andy Robertson, yeah. captain of Scotland, you see him balling at everybody. You know, a, a, a misplaced pass, the defence is under pressure a little bit. You know, he's, he's wagging his finger at, at Virgil van Dijk. There are so many of them, all of them. Mo Salah, the, the, Mane, the mental strength is just astonishing. Not not, <clears throat> not to give a spoiler away, uh, Paul, but we, we recorded the show before this and uh, Steve McMahon was referenced about and, uh, in the context of how he held his teammates to account. Mm. And as you quite rightly said with Andy Robertson, example, we've got a team full of them. Yeah. Absolutely, it's it's one of the things that I think has been key to to what Klopp's done, and and when you compare it to the teams of the past, something I re- I remember vividly about Rafa's best team was it was full of leaders. Mm. Yeah, players all over the pitch. It was something I I loved about that side, which very rarely gets referenced, is the number of players who were prepared to stand up to Gerard and Carragher, and that just didn't happen before. The power base was right. very much Carragher and Gerard, but That's then right. all of a sudden you had the likes of. Alonso, Arbelo, and Mascherano were like, no, yeah, yeah. like we'll hold you to account as well, and that made everybody better. It's a, it's a question I wanted to ask you as well. Actually, is how do you, how do you think this team compares to the past? I, I always think it's a it's a, it's an impossible question to answer because of the different eras. But 
but that's not what you want me to say. No, okay. <laughs> we, we were forced to give an answer the other day, so. Um, it's up there, but it needs to win things. Yeah. I think that is always what Liverpool are defined by. Um, and there have been inferior teams that have won lots of trophies. It has the potential to be the finest Liverpool team ever. And that's because of the average age is 25, 26. A lot of the players coming through, you know, without mentioning the likes of Keanu Hoover and, and Rian Brewster, mm-hmm. if, if they stick around, they're going to be sensational. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in terms of entertainment, I think they might be just a little way short of the 87, 88 team. But I might only be saying that because they won yeah. things. Um, the 78, 79 team was fabulous. That was more methodical. That wore you down. But this is... And it's become a refined team. Mm. It's not It's not the team that it was under Jürgen Klopp two years ago. Yeah. It can now find different ways to win. They have different a uh, different man of the match each week. Sometimes it's the defence that holds it together. Sometimes it's the forward line. Sometimes the goalkeeper. There's a there's an all round team within a team. Okay, let me let me ask you the same question, but with a bit of a turn on it. If it turns out Liverpool win the league this season, where does it rank against the club's greatest achievements? In your opinion, the best, the greatest, and it's not the greatest because it's the last one. It's the greatest because when you think of what they're competing against and what and the starting point, you know, twenty five points is a vast amount to make against anything and you look at you know fair play to City if they go on to win it they'll have you know the likelihood is they'll have won the last 14 games of the season which I don't think's ever been done certainly not in the modern era they will deserve it but when you look at what Liverpool and other teams are playing against in terms of finance and resource um, it is staggering where, where Liverpool are and so quickly right wrap that one up Jed, thanks for coming in. Just looking forward to see where... Oh, it's been a cracker, hasn't it? We just need to do Liverpool's talk and then just need Liverpool's all the bar into the bargain on Friday night and uh, put the pressure... In fact, one more before we go. Uh, just open it up to you, Paul, as well. Do you think... Because I know you like your psychology. Mm. Do you think us playing before City, if we win our fixtures, puts it a little bit on them a little bit as opposed huge. to kicking off at the same time? It's huge. I- I'm not sure I'd still... I've written an article and everyone... Go and read it. I- I'm a big believer in hope and keeping belief and enjoying it as much as you possibly can and I'm not sure I would be saying as much if they were playing before us each time but the fact that we play our next two league games before them we effectively keep giving them a game in hand and we, all we have to do is put the pressure back on them and say to them over to you lads exactly what Jed was saying about the, the league changing hands just keep doing it keep putting the pressure on them we don't know yet how they how they perform if they go a goal behind what if Burnley score Absolutely against them? Right. We don't know how they react. All of a sudden, their legs might start feeling heavy. All of a sudden, because this is the thing, Liverpool fans who are being negative about it keep looking at City and going, God, they're relentless. These boys are relentless. Well, City are looking at us going, God, why can't we shake Absolutely. these? I think it's 16 or 19 games, is it, since City last conceded the first goal of a game? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you all the way in that. And people are talking about, well, yeah, but Liverpool are playing against City. City have been here before. City have got all the experience, all the knowledge, all the know how. City haven't been here before. Yeah. But, and, uh, this was, is uncharted water for City. They've never had a team that have been hounding them. It's not even a case of hounding them down because it has been nip and tuck. But Liverpool just haven't gone away. When they the famous Aguero season, <coughs> they chased 
United down. They didn't have any kind of threat last season. It's when it gets to the real nitty-gritty and it just takes a bad five minutes in a game mm. and all of a sudden all that, all that confidence and everything can just sap out of you. I think I think you've nailed it there, boys. Thanks very much again. Uh, I'm determined to enjoy the rest of the season. No navel-gazing from me. Up to Reds. And now we are back in the room, uh, back with John Gibbons hosting with Ian Salmon, with Amelia Bonner, with Kiva O'Neill and Kevin Walsh. And we are going to talk about the PFA team of the year. It has been announced today. Amelia psyched. Uh, you can't see, uh, but she's, and, and, yeah, she's, she's looking at it now. I'm going to go through it. Uh, everyone, you know, it's not a test. Recite it. <laughs> it is not a test. We're going to go through it and basically say whether you agree or disagree with it. Um, we're going to have some fun. Um, I'm going to start with the goalkeeper. You're a goalkeeper, Kev. Alisson's better than Edison, isn't he? Well, he, as Ian made the point before, off here, he keeps him out of the Brazil team and they're quite good, aren't they? So, mm-hmm. know what to do with what, what's, the score, what's the score with this PFA? So is this all the votes added together and the, the players in each position with the most get in there? Or how does it work? Or does I don't really know. I was thinking about this before. Like, do they just make a team up of the people who've... Do they just vote for the best player and then make a team up of that? Or do they all have to pick a team? No, it, it's got it's to be off the position, I think. So I think they do, I think they yeah, do vote for a team. Right, they're going like one to eleven. Yeah, you can imagine some football players just going, hey, just getting bored. Know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like just put, just put you in three times for a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can't pick the teammates. That's but, true. Or they could all just pick Huddersfield players for the left then, couldn't they? Yeah, well, they'd have, you to would, name, they'd have to name eleven though. That's yeah, the problem. Well, a lot of them probably wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> it's a bit well, like yeah. employee of the month where someone gets it and you're like, mm. it's like when Salomon Craig got it at the Echo. Oh no, he deserved it. He got a mouse mat. With his face on. Remember, got player of the month, even though he'd been absolutely terrible because all our fans voted for him to make him feel better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like the, Lucas getting the um, player the year last year in there for Napoli. Yeah. No, I think they liked him, you know. I know, no, but, I but we were all voting for him as well. Oh, was it? Oh, we didn't realise it was open. <laughs> it, it, it was majorly mobilised, that one. Mo Salah wins everything, don't he? And it's a public vote. Yeah. Egypt. They, yeah, they go to town go for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the year Bell and Sebastian won Best Newcomers at the Brits. Yeah. Or like when Scousers are on the X Factor. Yeah. <laughs> or, or just more low-rent references. The Welsh are as bad. fans as well. They're, yeah. they're known for a poll, aren't they? Yeah. What's your uh, Egyptians on uh, Twitter game, Kiva? Do you get many? Yeah. You know, when you write about Mo and that, because you work for the Echo now and that. Um. Yeah, I get quite a few replies, but I don't really respond to people. Like, oh, that's a shame, isn't it? Like, oh, open your ivory oh, tower. No, that's, no. That's why you're get not getting employees of the month. <laughs> <laughs> tweet deck, I still, it's still hard to work for me. I'm still struggling to schedule tweets, never mind reply to them. Yeah. So, yeah. But can I just say about Alison, because I'm obviously his number one fan, our new number one. Um, he is the next year, isn't he? In 19 clean cheats, the most in a decade for a goalkeeper. He's going to win the Golden Glove. I just... I haven't seen what everyone else is seeing in Edison that you don't see in Allison. Mm-hmm. He had like he's made like two mistakes or something, and people were trying to pin that on him and bring him down. But he rose like a beautiful pink flamingo, not a flamingo, but you know that pink kiss in him. I'm on a He is gorgeous. And I've got a, I've, go on. Just he's better than Edison. <laughs> I've got a bit of a face on about the Golden Gloves, uh, Ian. I'm going to go to you as I always do when I want to be an old misery. When I want to be an old misery, you come good company, company, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Golden Gloves didn't used to be a thing, did it? When, I, I can't, I can't remember people saying, "Oh, we yeah, had Bruce Gobbler is going to get the Golden Gloves this year." <laughs> I don't remember anybody saying. Clemens, Golden Gloves. Yeah, Golden Gloves yeah, yeah. winning. I, I just want league titles on no, that. It's you just yeah, you just want actual things. So Golden Gloves. I'm, Shite. I'm not asked. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> yeah. You know, 
our goalie probably cares. It's yeah, probably a really nice uh, thing to have. If you're goalie, getting a pair of golden gloves probably looks really nice. The but I guarantee the, um, the golden stamp is more important. <laughs> Maybe we should just give them like bed sheets and yeah. then he'd have loads, wouldn't he? And he'd probably have them for years. Clean you know bed when, sheets. Um, you know when yeah, clean you... Ones. When newborn babies are born and like sometimes people do like mad photo shoots with them. Like my sister had one where they put the baby in like a feather boa and put like a kooky hat on it. Wow. And I was like, why? She's a baby. But you could do that when it's baby comes <laughs> with the golden be, gloves. You could like, that would be nice. She'd be in 20 years. She'd be fuming. Me, they they yeah, made her look like a flapper. It was cute. It was really cute. <laughs> <laughs> no. I like that you started being not into it, but then remembered how one the picture was it's like. So it was, cute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of flappers, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> So we would all, we're all, I mean, we're all saying Alison, aren't we? Alison's yeah. miles better than yeah. that. Yeah, okay, that's sort of that. Uh, Trent got right back. That's nice for him, isn't it? And, and correct as well. He's been brilliant think, this season. Yeah, I think he's played really well. I think the, the mark of how well he's played is that when he has dipped, people are all over it. People can't wait to jump on him. When, yeah. Like when that big Glock the other day was going past him. Yeah. For the, um, who's been playing the other day? Cardiff. Yeah. When he was going past them, people were like, oh, he's being found out here. And then five minutes later, he's ran himself into the grounds and Trent is still up and down the pitch. I think he's, he's had a great season and he's only getting better. I've heard a few people say maybe we need to improve at right back. The only way I'd be improving at right back is if you're going to say to Trent, okay, will you step into the midfield now? And I still think he's probably 18 months away from that. So I think he's well, well deserved for him. Everyone agree? I think the big thing with Trent is that you think of him as Liverpool's right back. He's 20 years old. You're not thinking of him as a kid with potential. Yeah. You've got like 25-year-olds playing in the Premiership who you think of as kids with potential. Trent is Liverpool's right back and that's just, that's his job. It's That's a fantastic compliment. Yeah, agreed. Okay, uh, the rest of the back four is Virgil van Dijk, uh, Laporte and Andy Robertson. Uh, really nice for Andy Robertson. What a, yeah. what a turnaround in his life, Amelia. It's, it's just very well-deserved. Like, he's absolutely brilliant. Also a lovely person to his core, which I know isn't like what they're voting on, but he's a really nice lad. He is a nice um, lad. Loves the club. Is ju- I just love watching him play football and shouting at people when they make mistakes because it shouldn't come down to him. I like watching <laughs> him do that. Um, I, the moment in... Um, he shouted at Sadio Mane last week, yeah, which is brave. Oh. The, the, um, yeah. it's, it's the, the Champions League game, isn't it, where... Um, he gets booked and calls himself a fucking prick. <laughs> no, you know, like you can see him on the on the um, like, like Andy Heaton and work. He swears at himself <laughs> all the time. You yeah, know, like the camera cuts to him and obviously doesn't realise he's going to do it, and you can just see him going, "You fucking prick!" And he's not talking to the person that he's like putting a challenge in on. He's talking to himself to be like, I think you can see him beating himself up and wanting to be the best player he possibly can be. And it's bits like that where you're like, do you know what? He really gives a shit. Okay, uh, Laporta has probably been the best defender in the Premier League that doesn't play for Liverpool. I think either. Do you agree? Yeah, I've seen bits from him, but not not on as good as our our verge. Well, he's in as well. No, no, I'm just saying, you know, he would verge is the best. We're just saying you're in, mate. Yeah, you're in, but you're not the best. You you are Joel Matip. (laughs) I I mean, I'm I'm gutted Joel got snubbed. To be fair, maybe the maybe the vote came a bit too soon. I think it came at a good time for Paul Pogba. Okay, <laughs> let's go on to the midfield then. A smooth segue from Kiva as ever. Um, midfield, Paul Pogba, Fernandinho, Bernardo Silva. He had what's going on? <laughs> well, as Kiva's just said, the vote clearly came in the three weeks of this season where Pogba could be asked playing football yeah. because he couldn't be asked for Jose. And then he put a shift in for a little bit when Ole got the job. And then when they realised that Ole was getting the job full time and he, they weren't just playing for the next manager. They all went, oh, do you know what? I can't be asked for this again. And uh, honest to God, he's a player with such potential, which is ridiculous when you're 26, such talent, such natural talent, and he does nothing with it. Oh, he certainly does nothing with it in that team. For France last summer, he was great, but he's just, he, he doesn't want to be there. 
if you could get money for him tomorrow, if I were United, I'd be selling him. I don't know how he gets into the team of the season because even if the vote is for a three-week period, you've had those three months before where he clearly didn't give a shit about playing for his manager and did absolutely nothing as a footballer. Yeah. And now he's back post the PSG game. PSG game, his head went down again. He hasn't done anything since. Yeah, that, that, as you say, there is that three-week period where he did play well. The maddest thing about it is Fabinho started playing well prior to that and has continued it right the way through. Yeah. So, listen, I'm not saying Fabinho should be in there because he, he's only done half a season. And that would be in Fernandinho's position. Wijnaldum's a great shout. He's, he's tailed off a little bit towards <laughs> the end of the season but I think that's purely because he just ran his little legs into the ground. But Pogba, I agree with you, Ian. I think he's, a, he's, he's there's a great player in there but if he doesn't if he doesn't really up and show it, when he was at Juventus, he was boss. Yeah. But the way he's gone now, if he doesn't really up and show it, he's going to blink and be 29 and think, what have I done here? It's like the Balotelli Relatable. thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he needs a good, good manager, not to say to come to Liverpool because we've got the best manager ever, but a manager like Jürgen Klopp could unlock that ego side to him. I just, him. I no, I don't, want him. Him. I don't want him, but he is, he's, he's, he's got, you know, he's won the World Cup, he is, and... He just said, like, but that was it's the World Cup, like, seven games or something. I don't know. I think seven games and you win it. It's all motivation for him, is it? I think he got. can do, like, little blocks of, like, I'm good, and then he just I can't be bothered anymore. And it's not good to say, is it? I get sick as well with Pogba. We're like, oh, he needs this, or he need, you know, oh, he's playing in the wrong position. Like, I'm sure, like, if you're one of the best players in the world, you, you shouldn't need that much, Amelia. To be set up for, oh, we need a lad doing this, and you need to play him exactly here. Don't let it, don't get him doing that. And you think, well, Gerard just used to do everything. Yeah. <laughs> Watching him last night, you were, yeah, taken by how utterly shite he looked. And I just, he did, but like, it, they didn't, they didn't look like the United that, like, I've spent my life fearing. Do you know what I mean? Like, and like, a lot of that is down to him. There we go. Uh, but Fernandinho, Ben Silva, really good at football. Yeah. yeah. Silva's been probably player of the year up there with, outside of Steele and, and Van Dyke, he's been absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Unreal and Fernandinho, I think it's probably going to be a swan song in that position because I think Fabinho will be noted as being the best number six in the league next year. Hopefully, if he continues his current form, but he's he's a great player, Fernandinho. Okay, and the front three is Sterling, Aguero, and Mane. I mean, it, it it's it's a shame not to see Salah in there, Kiva, but at the same time, it's hard to argue with any of those three. I think Aguero is is still a little bit underrated in terms of what he what he's done since he's come to this country. He's absolutely unbelievable, but he never seems to win any awards. Uh, Sterling's obviously had a, a, an amazing season, arguably a breakthrough one, although he's been you know a, a top player for a while. But this year he's really kicked on, and and Sadio Mane incredible. So though, although you feel for Mo, I mean he's bouncing around New York with the mother of dragons, so he's fine. Mm, yeah, he's sound, isn't he? Um... Victim of his own success, isn't he? Last season was just so good that he was always going to be sort of overlooked this season, no matter what he did. Everyone was like, he's, he's not going to go and do that. But he's done enough for me this season, as much as he did. Obviously, he hasn't scored as many goals, but he scored, I think, 22 in all competitions, maybe. I'm just pulling that stuff from nowhere. It might not be right. Um, <laughs> I'd back it. I'd sounds, back sounds it. Right. You were, yeah. Shocking from the echo area, oh, I'd say. Well, anyway. More fake news. <laughs> <laughs> it's what we do. The Manchester Stick to talking about Hollyoaks. Um, we don't even write about Holly. All the time. Every story. We, um... I don't think you can. <laughs> I'd love it if we did. I don't, you can't begrudge any of that front three. Yeah. I just think like Sterling. This might be a shot. I think Sterling feels to me now like the player that Salah probably felt like when you were watching us play last year, where like he feels dangerous. Do you know what I mean? As in you watch him, and you go, he's going to score immediately. Yeah, like scary. he's he's brilliant, and like it's annoying because he's not ours, but like he's incredible. And also, if I thought of the number of times I've heard Aguero, 
this season, then like I'd, I'd run out of He's fingers Man and thumbs very quickly. The greatest ever player yeah. in the history of Guero. Also, I'm dead happy that it is Mane instead of Salah that's in there because I think even though he's Sadio Mane, he's actually underrated for how brilliant and important he is and is like the best player that we've got. So there. I think that'll work in our favour as well going forward with Mane because if there was anyone I could have had red turned, I think it may have possibly been him. Just for the thoughts of him, if if Salah doesn't have another season where he's getting after player of the year again, if he's getting a PFA team of the year, I think with Mane and Salah, they must have like a little bit of a, a little competition between them and say, well, no, I'm the best African player. So the last two seasons, undoubtedly it's been Salah and now Mane, but well, who's it this year, mate? me isn't it? Yeah. So, and that, that can only be a bonus for Liverpool if he is winning them awards while he's at Liverpool I mean you can make a case for Sally you can make a case for Son at Spurs Eden Hazard's had it had a good year as well um, in, in, in and out over the last four months so so are you are you saying that the, the three is the right three I think the three is the right three I think uh, still in the season still has become a man in, a, in every possible way he's grown as a footballer he's playing the best football of his career he's much more decisive than he's ever been before and you couple that with what he's had to endure from the media over the last last nine months, although the media have now finally decided to come on board with, with Sterling and stop giving them abuse every five minutes. The way he's dealt with that has been absolutely magnificent. So I, I think yeah, I admire everything that Sterling's done this season. Aguero, when Aguero said at the beginning of the season, I've been playing with an injury for the last two years, and this is the first time I've been injury-free, I was like... Oh, shit. Okay, we're, we're in a lot of trouble now because these are just going to walk the league. But Aguero's a magnificent footballer. The fact that you know we wanted him at the same time as Torres but couldn't go for him, that that would have been an incredible thing to have. But he has. He's, he's been City's greatest ever player. I, I remember good City sides of the 70s, the likes of Colin Bell, uh, Franny Lee, who, who were really good footballers. But Aguero is the greatest player they've ever had. And he's had he's had a really good season. So him being in there. But yeah, Son, Son, he's he's fantastic. He could have easily been in there. Salah does feel overlooked, but they clearly have to choose by position to have a team that would be in the positions that they would be yeah, in. Yeah, you can't just pick six strikers. You can't just pick six strikers and just go, yeah, we're playing we're playing two <laughs> two one seven today. It's yeah, it's not gonna happen. They've um, so I think they're the right choice and I think Salah will be there next season. And all the talk, uh, Kev, is that Virgil's got the big one. He's got PFA Player of the Year. I mean, what a signing. What an unbelievable buy. Um, credit needs to go to the club for how hard they worked on the signing, convincing him to come. But just in terms of himself, how well he's done, how he, you know, remember having the conversation, so, well, one fella's not going to change the whole defence, and then, and then he did, and he's just been absolutely unreal. Yeah, he's, he's by far and away the best centre-half I've ever seen. And I asked my dad the other week, I said, is he... Is he is he better than Hansen? He said no. And then he went, he had a little think and he went, he might be as good as Hansen. He said, but Hansen's on it over a 10 year period, which is the, the highest praise you can possibly give because my half thinks Hansen walks on water and like he shows an unbelievable footballer. But someone made a very good point about Hansen saying that he was a, a Rolls Royce of a player, but he could always also pass a back to the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper could pick it up, which Van Dyke can't do. Mm. So he's by far and away the best centre half in, in world football for me. The effect he's had on our team is—it's unbelievable. Even down to Milner's celebration the other day was a little dig back at him because he was skating him for being old. Do you know what I mean? Milner's been in our squad for—it <laughs> seems like ten years. Been a Premiership at old twenty, and my likes just rolled in and said, "You're proper old, you." <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? How come you creak when you walk? <laughs> but he's just got that attitude. I just—I see like the um, the Oxley Chamberlain video of them all doing the kit launch, and that—and you can just see how. It easy puts everybody yeah. around him, but also how much of a presence he's got. If he's in the room, he is the focus in the room. But he leads, he takes that on board and leads. He's like a lion, I love him. 
Anyway, I mean, let's all just have a chat about Virgil, shall we? Who's next? You just there's no getting past him. Like he's just he's absolutely when when you watch him play, you're struck by how he reduces your options to absolutely zero. Like there's there's nothing you can do. You can't get past him, and people just don't seem to have for the entire season. He's unbelievable, and like yeah, you can say that one player couldn't completely change our defense, but he just bloody did, didn't he? So I have never in my life seen a centre back take on two forwards on his own. In a two-on-one situation, that was the one of the best things win. I've ever seen. Yeah, that, that, that was really that was incredible, and, and that's the point where you know I'm like your dad. I, I bow to nobody in my love for Alan Hansen. I watched his entire career. He was an incredible footballer. He was, he was just beautiful to watch on the pitch. Virgil Van Dijk's as good as him. He's as talented. He may be more talented. He may he may be a better player than Hansen. He hasn't won the trophies yet, but he may be a better footballer than Hansen. He may be the best centre back we've ever you had. Don't get higher plays than that from a Liverpool fan. Kira. He's just sort of like a tectonic place, whatever that is. <laughs> you feel like we're all just like on him almost. Like the team is just, he just sort of sends like the energy. He's like a calm and just yeah. influence. Like I feel like, you know, off two fullbacks, obviously assist Kings, but he's just gave them like a, you know, you just see him put his arms and he's like, all right, calm down. And he just points and blames people for stuff. And like, you shouldn't have done that. And just bossing everyone about, he's, He's our captain, really. I love Jordan Henderson, but you've you've got to have them captains in your team, and he's just phenomenal. There's not any superlatives you could even say. There's just he's he's just amazing. He leaves you speechless, breathless, everything. Watching him is just it's like dancing on ice almost, isn't it? Like he's just it's not as good as dancing on ice. It's not. <laughs> I like that he shouts at people. It's in the way that like when Becca started and you were like watching him shouting at players for mistakes they made and being like, good, you should have that presence on the pitch. You should be telling people where they fucked up and what they need to do to make it better. And watching Van Dyke do that is nice because you're like, yeah, you've got that control. And the way he it. celebrates with everyone on his own. It's yeah. like he's got his own little sort of... He's got his own little handshake like, with Mo Salah. And he Gosh. leaves it so everyone sort of celebrates and then he'll go to them and be like, good job. And he's like a dad, isn't he? Like, <laughs> good good lad, you done good there. And like, then they're like, yeah, did good job. <laughs> the, the, the really vital thing I think he does is he moves the midfield forward 10 yards. Yeah, We're not at that point where Henderson has to split the centre-backs anymore so the full-backs can go forward. He's basically doing the job of two men. The full-backs go forward because they know he's got it covered. The midfield moves up because they know he's got it covered. It's not and just that's, the, that's it's not the just difference. the passing range that either is it's the, the pace of him as well allows yeah. us to play that bit further forward where you think well you can try and get him behind us but when he when he's a full pelt nobody's getting past him. Like when when we played Chelsea earlier on in the season at Stamford Bridge and William broke through and him and Gomez closed him off like pincered them and both of them caught up with William. Now William is absolutely rapid and he's just these are fellas who are like six foot three and must be sixteen, seventeen stone and he just closed them down with absolute ease. And at the end it's not a slide tackle. It's just a foot in. He very rarely has to do the slide and again, that's another sign of a great centre half. That's someone who arrives in place, takes the ball. And it's not of puffing and puffing. It's then just starting the next attack. It's just a total calmness from Virgil, we all love you. A huge thanks to everyone who's joined us for this weekend. Uh, all the guests in the middle and obviously everyone in the room as well. I've been BBC Breakfast, John Gibbons. And <laughs> hope you have a lovely weekend. Oh, and come and see us at Sound City next Friday night. It's completely free and it's going to be good fun. Up the reds. Sports Social Podcast Network.